and welcome to another edition of Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I am Chris Peterson. Joined with me as always is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the internet? Are you ready to be entertained? Are you not entertained? I are am... you not entertained? <laughs> I am ready to talk about entertainment. I don't care what you're into. I'm into it, too. I love impressing people with my random ass memory about weird stuff. Love it. <laughs> I don't care if it's Adventure Time on Cartoon Network or oh. Bruce Campbell. I know it all. So just hit me up. Guys, we're going to get into it. Chris, explain the podcast to these lovely people. Well, here's here's the thing. So, folks, Ben and I are obviously aficionados of all things entertainment. And what we like to do in this podcast is basically bring some interesting things that we've seen, watched, ate, read, listened to over the past week. Uh, and bring it to this podcast. But the kicker is Ben has no idea what I've got on my mind and he's got no idea what's on mine. So, uh, or vice versa. I've got no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so everything you're hearing is spontaneous, non-planned. We've written, non-written a single thing down. Uh, this is all genuine conversation. So you basically get to hang with us for about an hour. So um, Ben, let's kick it off. What do you got this week? All right, let's, let's get, let's get into it, Chris. You know what? I got a bunch this week. Um, Let's talk about the Oscars. Yes. Yep. Let's start with the Oscars. I think oh, that's the big oh, thing. There are <laughs> a lot of things. So, so Chris, when we, we have the Oscar reaction, right, to um, the Oscar nomination reaction a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, mm-hmm. and we, we just said kind of like, you know, maybe we should have paused this year. Maybe we should have just said, you know, we get it. Yeah. We're going to throw everyone a bone. But we're not going to discredit the movies that came out this year. Let's just save them for next year. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, we'll mm-hmm. just, you know, there's a couple movies out there like Nomadland and the Billy Holiday movie. We're going to bank them. We're just going to bank them, and they're included in 2022. Yep, no rush. I, I think everyone would have been cool with that. Mm-hmm. It would have made it interesting. Like the, you know, and and the one year that the Oscars got canceled, it would totally make sense. You know, they've right. been going for a hundred and whatever, like hundred years. It's fine. We can just skip this year. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And Chris, <laughs> I think we were right on with that prediction. Oh boy, were we? Were right. we right? Where, where do we want to start? Let's start with, let's start with the hostless thing. Yeah. What's going on with this? <laughs> so this is you and I have talked about this in the past, like way, way in the beginning of this podcast. Which, by the way, I think, I think we're approaching two years, my man, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, like. It comes out of a fear of comedy. It comes mm-hmm. out of this over overreaction to, oh my God, we can't have a comedian host because they always do something controversial and right. it's going to distract from the awards and, oh my God, we can't do anything. So they started doing this this hostless thing for the past couple of years and it just doesn't work. It, it really doesn't. doesn't. It doesn't. Right? It's, it's, listen, all award shows, most award shows, but besides like the ESPYs, well, even the ESPYs or whatever, right. they're about performing. They're, they're about performance, whether it be the Tonys or the Oscars or the world's biggest asshole award and <laughs> the Mr. Show reference. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I totally distracted myself. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I cracked myself up. Anyway, right. they're about performing, and that's the whole point of it. Let's get a Ricky Gervais out there, a teeny F- Tina Fey, Amy Poehler out there. Mm-hmm. Let's have some fun, people, because it's all ridiculous what we're doing here. And I know we're going to get some awkward kind of Joaquin Phoenix moments in there. But you know what? Those are far and few between when you keep the laughs going, at least. Right. I, right. I, I don't know. Well, like, I don't go, go ahead, Chris. Go. I was going to say, that, you know, it's interesting, you know, what 
uh, I can't remember if it was Ellen DeGeneres or Jimmy Kimmel, but one of them famously said, like, you know, it's your dream to host the Oscars as a comedian, um, mm-hmm. but it's also like the worst like two weeks of your life, apparently, right. as a host. And it's like, a lose lose. It's a right, lose lose. Right. And like everybody says, like, you do it and then you never want to do it again. Like, that's it. Um, so, you know, it's no surprise that like a lot of these people that you would expect would be like jumping at the chance to do it. Uh, like your Jimmy Kimmel's, like your, your Jimmy, you know, Fallon's and Conan, Conan. O'Brien's. Yeah, right, exactly. Right, right. You'd expect them to be like, yes, please. But they're like, no, not at all. Um, because apparently like everything is just over analyzed to death. Like as a comedian, like you're, uh, Chris Rock was like they they like triple check your jokes before you even say them, and it just doesn't make it any fun. It takes all the fun out of it. So right, so we'll um, never get like, you know what? We'll never get like funny. We'll never get truly funny people. We'll never get like a Jack Black and Bill Burr host, oh my <laughs> like God. the Oscars, like like which would be the funny. You would have Jack Black doing funny song and dance, and then Bill Burr just doing the roast. I mean, how funny would that be? It, yep. it, that's that's like. A best of both worlds, you know, like Bill Burr. I don't want him to sing and dance. I just want him to stand with a mic and be Irish and pissed off. Right, right. <laughs> Jack Black could do the jumping around and cartwheels on the stage like John Belushi. Perfect. <laughs> Freaking, but we'll never get that. And it's just a lose lose. And they say it's a lose lose because your jokes get critiqued. You you get, and then you get the whole like Twitter verse after you about oh if you, God forbid if you make fun of an actor oh that actor happens to be an actress. And she uh, has feelings and you're like, God damn it. You know, right. it's, it's a nightmare. Right. And th- there's no excuse for it either because no other award show does this. And no. and when you talk about like the big four of, you know, the Grammys and the Emmys, and I guess you could say the Tonys, um, but like th- none of these other award shows put their hosts through what no. the Oscars does. And it's, no. it's silly. It's stupid. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm at the point where, you know, Ben, you and I are, huge film ridiculous nerds ridiculous oscar night was the biggest night of my year growing up without a doubt it was like sunday night usually mm-hmm. in a typical year it would be like you know march 25th or something like that not you know freaking april but um it was like i taped it every year and like just was went crazy about it but it just has gotten stupid like the whole like I, to the point where i'm fine with any like gimmick they try to do during the ceremony if it backfires massively on them i'm like you know what you deserve it because you're you're doing stupid things and we'll get into the stupid things they did this year but um i'm glad i'm I'm at that point where i'm like you know what good i'm glad these things are backfiring because you're doing stupid things to a what should be a very easy thing to to get right well you know what it's it's something that the grammys actually got right didn't we do like a little grammy review yep and remember how they did like the round robin people performing so they didn't have a host to toss off to billy ellish and then here comes uh you know someone else and they just kind of went around and did all the performances and i thought that was cool you had one artist watching an artist perform and then it's like now it's time for this you you have artists at your disposal you have musicians artists everyone's watching this why not use them Mm -hmm. you know why not do something like the tonys do and and put on musical numbers or you know, if it's straight acting, could you imagine, you know, actors love to act. And I and I know I know not everyone would be game for this, but check this out, Chris. How about this? Now to perform a dramatic scene from the movie that's up for best picture from Nomadland is freaking Frances McDormand. Right. And right. she performs it live on stage. She performs one of the monologues. 
Could you imagine how awesome that would be? And I don't mm-hmm. know if these people would be down with that. I don't give a shit. Read off a teleprompter because, you know, film actors are different than theater. But for a Frances McDormand, she'd be like, awesome. Where, are you, where do you want me? Uh, where's mm-hmm. my camera? Uh, point me where who I'm talking to. That would be cool. Like, imagine it's a dramatic. Most Oscars go to the dramatic movies. It'd be cool to see some monologues up there. Right. Like some acting stuff. It's an acting award. Have them perform. I don't know. I don't know. I agree. Well, the whole, I mean, the, the problem that I had with, and I, I knew this was going to happen um, coming into this year, because I don't know if you caught this, but the, the executive producer of the Oscars this year was Steven Soderbergh. The film. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. So he, it was him. And I forgive me. There's also two other women whose names escape me right now, but yeah. Steven Soderbergh was one of them. And you could tell from the very beginning of the show, his imprint on the entire ceremony because it started with Regina King doing this long walk to what basically sounded like the score of Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could just tell like Steven Soderbergh's you know, fingerprints are all over this thing. And uh, one thing that they said that this year was going to be different was they weren't going to do any playoff music. Um, they were going to let, it's not like they were going to let people get up there and do a Ted talk, but they were going to say like, look, we're not going to put like this, this ridiculous, like, right. That's You've got cool. 45 seconds to do a speech. Right. So it's like talk. And if it gets too long, we'll put up, a, a, you know, some signs, but uh, we're not going to play anybody off. And it works to a degree where some people did some really great emotional speeches. Um, Re- Regina Benara- King. Regina, Regina King. King. Right. Uh, and the guy who won for uh, the best foreign film for another round, which is a brilliant movie. Yes. Um, yeah. Great speech. Yep. But then, you know, you had other speeches that are like, Oh Jesus! Like you, this could have really used the wrap it up, uh, music. And I, I oh, joke. Well, how about what's his face? Uh, the guy from uh, Judas and the Black Messiah talking about his parents having sex or what? Oh, forget. Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, no, yeah, he, yeah. He, he he needed he needed a cue. Like he was. Yeah. I think I don't think he got the memo that there was like a time limit. I think he was like waiting for someone to say. Can we talk about Daniel Kaluuya yeah. for a second? Can we just yes, talk about him, please? All right. Uh, did you see him on Saturday Night Live? I did. Okay. Listen. My, all right, just going to put this out there. He is just, bar none, right now, one of the most exciting actors to watch. Oh, yeah. Period. Whatever movie he's in, I'm in. Like, I'm all in. Give me my, take, take my money. Yep. This dramatic movie about a historical period, I'm in. Uh, a horror movie by um, Jordan, Jordan Peele, I'm in. I, I don't give a shit. Just take my money. Another Black Panther movie, I'm in. Here's my money. But yep. then, all right, I'm going to say this. I'm gonna say this. The, I don't know if it's the accent or or what, but when he's just speaking freestyle, it gets lost in translation. Right. It it, it it's not funny. Like he's trying to be funny, like on Saturday Night Live, and it's like everything fell flat. And like I said, most people aren't, you know, theater performers. And you know what? Bill Simmons says this all the time. You know, when Paul Walker was still alive. He wasn't like, even though Fast and the Furious are the biggest movies while he was still alive, you didn't really see a Paul Walker interview on The Tonight Show or anything. Right. And like, and he just, I don't think people, some people are just not good interviews. I, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They just don't, they're not good at that. Like, oh, I got this story. One time I was in an airport. Like, they're just not good at that thing. So I think he needs to follow that because a little less freestyle. Maybe he just gets up, gets an Oscar and just says, hey, thank you so much. It was a blast making it. Thanks to the director. Thanks to my mom. Um, 
Actually, I'm here to plug my next movie. <laughs> it's coming out in theaters next month. I'll see you there. Give Give I'm us in. a reading. Yeah. yeah. I mean, give us a little. Yeah. Whatever you got. Whatever you got. Yeah. You know, and I, I think I think you bring up an interesting point because I definitely saw that awkwardness in, oh. in the Saturday Night Live and his speech. And I think the problem is is that I think for some people, um, they need they need a special type of comedy mm. to be comedy now you put daniel kaluuya in a wes anderson movie i think oh, it works i think I it th- works i think you could kill it he has you, a, he, if he has a script and he has a mark and you know yeah. you stand here here's where you're looking the guy is the best in the biz like seriously right. he's gonna be in the best movies for the next 40 years like mm-hmm. uh, there's no doubt in my mind that guy's being cast in every like right now as we speak i think he has like four movies in production and five in post-production i mean the guy's working and he it's working, whatever he's yeah. doing. Yeah. But yeah, Chris, it's there's something lost in translation. I don't, I don't know what it is, but all the Serenite Live sketches were just not funny. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a shame. I love this guy. Like, I was like, right. oh, they, I, I don't know. I just think some people are better at dramatic acting. I, I think, in all honesty, I think it comes from your education as an actor. I think, right. you know, there's a reason why, you know, certain actors are brilliant on saturday night live where you're like they could be on this show every week if they wanted to right. and i would be okay with it like alec like, baldwin like, like maya rudolph when she comes maya back. rudolph like, when she, she comes just back. slips it on like a glove and you're just right. like oh i'm back i don't care if it's 15 years later I-, I love doing this show so here i am it's like okay like you know not every sketch is gonna be a winner but she she knows how to do it yeah fair yeah. point Fair point. So yeah, I get it. I mean, I I definitely see what you're coming from. You know, I think what's interesting in the Oscars is this was such a weird year because yeah, I, right. I I first of all I thought that them doing it in Union Station in Los Angeles was a stupid idea. That was um, weird. like what's the point of what's the difference between that and a giant theater? That's what I couldn't understand because they were like, oh, because it's safer. I was like, no, actually, it would be safer to do it in the Kodak Theater and everybody just spaced apart. Like, right, like you're, a giant you're at a sm- ballpark or something. Why don't we have it on home plate <laughs> and everyone can could be outside at Dodger Stadium? I don't understand why we're in a smaller venue with the same amount of people. And then, and I don't know if you caught this, but they would do because of the small seating in that like the that area. They cycled people in and out when their categories were up. So, like, as soon as oh. you lost, you were like ushered away from that seating area and like taken out outside to like the patio section oh, that they had. I didn't realize that. Which isn't that more dangerous? Walking through the same narrow space and coughing through a hallway, <laughs> and then that cough hangs in the air, and yep. the next person's as opposed to sitting in a seat, and it's like, all right, this is your seat. That's your bubble. Like, and I know. I, I just couldn't understand. And then they're like, at one point, Regina King's like, all right, and just for safety. When when the when we're back from commercial, we'll take our masks off. But during commercial, we'll put our masks on. I was like, well, what difference does it make? Commercial. At that point, Everyone's what difference does it in make? Everyone's infected in that room. If exactly. you don't have the vaccine, and you're you're done. Like you're just you're screwed. Like it's, it's like, like as up. soon as you take that mask off, the zombies bit you. That's it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like ninety percent of the actors in this room have been in a zombie movie. You guys know how it works, right? <laughs> so. I, I didn't get it, but I mean, you know, here's, this is, this is a weird year for, for movies. And I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think they should have waited a year or at least push it back even further. Um, just so you could get some, some more movies, you know, in there that, that actually people will be interested in because uh, this was the lowest, uh, obvious for obvious reasons, this was the lowest grossing year uh, for any, you know, best and picture. You know, of... what, you know what's silly too is Francis McDormand. Um, so we have this little theater. I always give shout outs to my little theaters up here in Central New York because 
it, you know, during as the pandemic lifts, I've actually been able to go to a couple movies. I think I, I talked about Nobody and stuff. Mm-hmm. Where down in Connecticut, it's probably harder because there's more people. Yada yada right. yada. Um, up here, me and Katie went with like two other people. They were in the back row over here. I was in the front row over here. Like we were just so spaced out. And so, um, Frances McDormand actually had a quote, and she said, um, "Go go see Nomad Land in the theater. You know, what you mean uh, it's a great flick to watch in the movies." just promoting movie theaters. And mm-hmm. then the local theater up here, Rome cinema put that quote up with a picture of her and said, please come see nomad land at Rome cinema. And it was just so neat, but here we are, that movie's still out in the theater. It still needs to grow something. And it already got the, I don't know. It's, it seems just seems backwards and yeah. weird, you know? Well, and then again, like they, they just, they made some wonky decisions throughout the night. So the yeah, first wonky so. decision that I thought, I don't know if Ben, if you caught this, uh, the in memoriam section, you know, uh, section yeah. is usually a, a heavily watched thing and very somber and you know sentimental. It it basically was uh, presented at the pace of uh, a tempo of an Irish jig, like it was just. <laughs> I swear to God, go back and watch. It's probably on YouTube. Go back and watch <laughs> the in memoriam for this year's Oscar. It's it's almost like a techno song of how fast it goes. Because and then you heard like if you go on Twitter. People are like, that was an alarmingly fast tempo. <laughs> like, like, was it and, like, what was the song? Like, Turn Me Loose by Toto or something? Was it was it? just this like instrumental song, but it was like alarmingly upbeat. Like, <laughs> and it was just very confusing. And I get it. Like, this is a, you know, you know, some of these people died actually of COVID and very sad, but like, it, it so there's probably a lot more than you typically would have in there. But Jesus, like, it was like, it was really, it was almost like Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead. Uh, <laughs> I mean, movie song. Fast. You can play it. <laughs> right. Um, another thing that um, really That's terrible. Th- it's terrible. One thing that really threw me off, um, and I'm sure you caught this, it was um, towards as as they were getting to the end, and this is a big point of controversy. Uh, so I'm watching it, and Rita Moreno, the great uh, Puerto Rican actress from the original cast of West Side Story, yes. comes out and she's like, all right, and the nominees for Best Picture are. I'm, I'm like, wait, what? They haven't even done the Best Actor and Best Actress yet. Yeah, they were doing Best Picture was the third to last award of the evening. Really weird. Really weird. And the second that she came out and started reading the nominees, I in my head I said, oh, they're not going to do this, are they? And what became very clear was that Best Actor was going to be the last award of the night because they were expecting that Chadwick Boseman was going to win and therefore create oh, a sentimental emotional complex. Oh. It's the only, it's the only one that's possible because why else would you have best actor right. as the last act award of the evening? Um, and of course that didn't happen. Uh, Anthony right. Hopkins won for the father, which Ben, have right. you seen the father yet? No. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> oh, it's, it's amazing. Oh, oh, it's so good. It's, all it's, right, it's, all it's, right. I saw it when it was on Broadway uh, with Frank Langella, who is a, okay. another amazing actor, but uh, it's, it's one of those performances as a like, as soon as Anthony Hopkins won, you said, yeah, I, I get it. Like right, it's, right. it's one of those things, but like, here's the funny thing. Um, so Anthony Hopkins wasn't even there. And like, they were doing this thing where like some people were in London in a theater uh, and some people were in LA. And then like the people that were in London who won would be able to make a speech and whatnot. He wasn't even in London. He was in Wales uh, asleep when he got, yeah. when that yeah. award happened, 
he woke up the next morning to hey well, you won the Oscar. They're five, hour, they're five hours ahead, right? Or no, no eight if you're eight hours LA. ahead, right? So he's like deuces, I'm I'm going to sleep because <laughs> I'm sure he was expecting Chadwick Boseman to mm-hmm. win, and uh, it didn't happen that way. Uh, and Joaquin Phoenix is up there presenting the award, and he's like. Uh, and Anthony Hopkins isn't here, so we accept the word on his behalf. Good night. And then literally the credits to the ceremony start rolling because oh, it was it was awfully constructed. And, you know, I, I will say this, you know, uh, a lot of people out there were obviously really disappointed and upset that Chadwick Boseman didn't win. But uh, his family came out and said, you know what? Chadwick would never have been about the Oscars. Like he would have been about the work and he would have congrat. He would have been the first one congratulating Anthony Hopkins and just really, cl- and, and vice versa. Well, Hopkins came out. And well, he should have won for black Panther then. So exactly guys. that right. there you go. And, yeah, and Anthony you know what? Hopkins- this is what happens when you give awards, you know, five, 10, 20 years after their best performance too. <laughs> right. Right. So I will say this. I I thought it was a terrible move on the Oscars part to change around the order to try to create this like emotional moment and, um, you know, not let it play out, you know, just naturally and just present best actor when you're going to present best actor. And then, you know, best picture is the last thing in the night because that's what it always right. is. And so but that's the mark of a filmmaker. That's Steven Soderbergh, like 100 percent of the way. Like he, I, you can bet that his, that was his decision to do. And oh, it like just, like it, Tarantino, the timeline, like kind of right. show the end and then see how we got there. See how we got there. And <laughs> it just backfired massively. And um, everybody's ripping apart the Oscars this year as as justified. But as Ben, as... I'm interested. I'm interested to, to ask you this question. And I want yeah. I want you to give me give me a guess. Right. So uh, the ratings, how many people watched this Oscars came out? Ben, last year, uh it, it's been going downhill ever since like 2012, but last year it was around 23 million people watched the Oscars. How many do you think watched this year? It was, so it was 23 million 23, last year. 23 million last year. What do you, how many do you think watched this year? I'm going to go... So live on television, I'm going to go mm-hmm. 5 mil. Actually, you're... you're, you're way lower than what happened it was 9.85 oh so my god still no, a dramatic half. drop it's half. Very... well it's just because there's no there's no movie big movie it's not <laughs> lord a... of the rings and black panther in there right. or even like no country for old men i don't need an action movie i, I like just give me something like awesome like right. there's been great movies there's no like whiplash or hurt locker or the social network like all these great movies like there's movies that I see and you're like, I'm rooting for that one. This mm-hmm. is the one I'm rooting for. And like I said, Nomadland, I watched it. It's a great flick. Don't get me wrong. Did you watch that, Chris? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Francis McDormand, great character. You know, just working in the mental health field, I thought that her character, her character's actions made sense. So the writing really made someone that went through what she went through, like the loss and everything, would act the way she does. Mm-hmm. and it's a meditative kind of movie it has kind of like this kind of impending doom feeling on the right it's a you can't take your eyes off the movie it's a great flick I, i'm not upset with the best picture i think it is the best picture like right. if judas and the black messiah won i talked about you know we talked about the problems with that movie there's problems all over that movie that's just like a weird there's no drama in that movie i didn't feel a dramatic thing in that movie mm. except for like daniel kula speeches in there which are that that performance i think he should have won i think it's a great performance yep 
I think the awards were given correctly, and, and the, which is weird because normally I'm like, ooh, this guy should have won from this. But the, they were given an award, you know, but it was kind of obvious choices because the movies weren't there. So I'm sorry. The movies weren't there this year, and they should have held it. I don't know, Chris. I, I, think, I, I just think the whole thing was a misfire, and it could have been something that they could really bank on, you know, out of respect, you know, for – you know, COVID and keeping people safe, we're going to postpone the Oscars or postpone it till this August or something like that and mm -hmm. have it outdoors. I mean, it's LA. You can have it outdoors right now. I don't get it. It's so stupid. Anyway, I don't know, Chris. I don't know. It's just, I, I don't know. And I think, you know, you know, if you remember, like remember last year, they were going to create this entirely new category for like most popular film, like best like blockbuster mm. film to try to mm -hmm. like honor MCU stuff. And like, it just, they're overthinking it. They're overthinking mm -hmm. it. And so, um, and, and again, the problem that you have with the Academy is you've got, I, I honestly think they should, they should in, install term limits. Like you get, you get to yep. be an Oscar voter for 20 years and that's it. That's and, it. or, or 10 years or five years, because remember, like we have these like folks that have been in this Academy for 30, 40 years that you damn well aren't going to go see like every movie that's out there. Yeah. Um, and, and they damn like they don't know who fucking Bruce Campbell is. <laughs> exactly. So like, you know what I mean? Like you got I these just, stinky old white guys just sitting there like, oh yeah, like I think that I don't know, the Third Man is still the best movie of all time. It's like, yeah, it's pretty good, but I don't know. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, um, well, I mean, well, anyway, we'll see what so happens next year, but we um, will. And I just, but you know what, Chris? Just to wrap it up on my end, I just think the reason why. Here's my theory, Chris. The reason why we went through this whole thing and it was terrible, it was weird, and let's get Brad Pitt to do a quick cameo thing. The whole thing was just odd and weird. Um, but I think it's to go about as business as usual because there's timelines. Oh, this movie's in production by Universal and this will come out in September. Enough time for them to do the whole rigmarole of we got to impress these studio people and these voters and do like the red carpets here and there. I think they just had to keep that timeline going because things are already in pre-production. They're mm -hmm. in pre-post and like in production. I think they're, it's a, we're on a timeline. And so if you disrupt that time, let's say like my theory, let's say it was said, ah, let's just push it back to August. That would screw up everyone's timeline. I think, I don't want to say the fix is in on these things, but it kind of is. It's kind of like one of those things like, they can't disrupt that timeline because it'll mess up people's production schedules. And we're talking about millions of dollars at stake. And those are the, the Oscar voters right there. So I, that's my theory right there, bud. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll see what happens next year, but mm -hmm. um, like I said, these, these things are always interesting. So um, anyway, well, let's, let's take it back a little further. Ben Friday night um, was one of the greatest nights of my life. <laughs> oh, oh, greatest. So greatest of all time. What's up there? I mean, I, I got married, had a kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's all right. You know, it's all right. It's up there. <laughs> ben, um, I, I have been looking to last Friday night, forward to last Friday night for quite a while because um, it was the premiere of Mortal Kombat on HBO Max. Excellent. Ben, did you see Mortal Kombat? Speaking of the Oscars, talk about snubs. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of snubs, let's just talk about it. No. Wait, does it qualify for next year? They it qualifies for next year. It, qual it better. It better. <laughs> Oscars, if you want to get your ratings up, nominate Mortal Kombat for 12 oh, Academy oh, Awards. Best picture. <laughs> ben, I got to tell you, um, All right. 
you know, early on, you and I kind of criticized this HBO Max Warner Brothers thing where it's like, Correct. Oh, these movies oh, yeah. got I'm glad yeah. we're starting here. Yeah. So what was it? A hundred mil, hundred mil for like 25 films or something like that, right? Something like that. Yeah. I was like, this has got to get better. And right. Cause thanks- let's count them off. Let's count them off. We got Wonder, Wonder Woman, 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 uh, Judas yeah. and the Black Messiah. Yeah. Webs. Miss. Yeah. yeah. Miss. Um, um, King Kong, Kong versus Kong, Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. It was okay. Yeah. Nice yeah. moments. There's a couple uh, others in there. Uh, right. That that what was that movie with Denzel Washington and oh that Jared was terrible. Leto? That oh, movie, uh, that, the little that things. I, it, it was the little thing. I was yeah. this terrible title. <laughs> the little terrible things. title. Terrible movie. Um, so yeah, it just hasn't. It hadn't been great. But then we get more. I I had a feeling. I was like, I feel like Mortal Kombat's going to change the trajectory for this. This and, and you this know what, Chris? Deal. I got to give you credit. I had. I was all messed up when we did like I, when we did like our little preview and stuff, and I thought Michael B. Jordan was playing Jax. You were like, "That is not Michael B. Jordan." And I was like, "Oh man, this is gonna suck." But I was well. Go ahead. You were right on with this thing. Well, I gotta tell you. So I I went in. I I really tried not to get my hopes too high for right. this. I was like, I, I need to, I need to calm down. I need to you know, relax. And sure enough, uh, the movie met and exceeded all my expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, I needed a entertaining, you know, I guess you could just say an entertaining fun. I don't have to think. So it's a dumb movie with quote unquote acting. Um, (laughs) that is just full of fan satisfaction. And that's what this movie is. It delivered on every front. And now if someone was expecting something brilliant and like <laughs> takes it too seriously. You know what? Get out of get out of here. Just get leave. out of here. Just, Just leave. leave. You're you're not welcome in this room. Um, this was, I and it, you know what? Like, if the bar is like the very first Mortal Kombat movie that came out in the '90s, like this just this raised the bar. I I was cheering. I was watching this movie alone in a hotel room, and I was clapping and cheering and. Spoiler alert, when certain characters appear like halfway through the movie and towards oh. the end, I go freaking nuts. And um and the action was incredible. Like this is incredible. this is the Mortal Kombat movie I I always wanted. Yeah. Ben, what do you think? Chris, you are spot on, but all right. So <laughs> you know what they gotta do? You know how we have like the honest trailers channel and stuff like that, and yep. like the pitch yep. meeting guy on YouTube. They need to have an honest trailer, like like you know how they have the red band when there's some swears or something like that? They have to have, mm-hmm. like, a, a blue band or something like that. Something, <laughs> something, you know, like the Rated R album by Queens of the Stone Age. A blue band, and it just says, like, this is an honest trailer. And it's like, if you love, if you love action and awesome CGI, this movie is the Fast and the Furious of video game movies. <laughs> I'm all in. Just tell me that. You're going to get great action. You're going to get, like you said, quote, acting. And CGI like crazy, Chris. Chris, let's talk about let's break this movie down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first of all, were you nervous the first scene? Were you oh, yeah. still a little nervous? The whole well, Chinese and Japanese dialogue flashback scene. I was like, well, for, I mean, I, I'm I'm a huge follower of the video game series, so like, yes. I was really happy to see them kind of establish that that rivalry early on and with mm-hmm. Lin Kuei and, and, and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm so glad they're showing this, but yeah, I was like, Oh God. Okay. So let's, let's, let's nail this. Right. And 
because that and, was a little that was a little serious. Yes. And I was, I was like, like, uh oh, <laughs> like uh oh, so this like, could be a serious movie. Child. And like, eh. and I'm like, uh oh, this is uh oh. If if the whole movie was in that tone, we'd be in for a troubled a troubled ride. But when what what was the moment that switched it up for you? What was the oh, moment gosh. where you went like, I get it. I know what they're doing. If this stays like this, I'm all in. What was there a specific moment or character that came on the screen? Oh, it was, it was the second I saw Sub Zero as Sub Zero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like when yeah, they're sitting right. at the and spoiler alerts all over the place. We'll put this oh, out. Spoiler. Um, I mean, um, but you can spoil this movie at all you want with the podcast. You exactly. still go see it. It's great. Still go see it. Um, but when they're sitting at that, when like that, that Cole and his family are sitting there. And they oh. leave the daughter alone, and she, you could see her breath. And I was like, "Oh no, oh no, oh, oh, oh no!" <laughs> and you know, you knew it was coming. I was like, "This is brilliant. This is brilliant." And then you see him. Then you see Sub Zero. He's throwing. He's throwing ice at everybody. Um, and then like him and Jax have this like quote unquote fight in the yeah. warehouse, and he freezes his arms. I'm like, "That I'm in. Now I'm in. Yeah, now I'm in. Now you got me." Um, and then it just it. The, the ball kept rolling because then you get you get introduced to Sonya and Kano and you get Lizard in there for like you know ten minutes of the movie which was great. Um, great and and then you get now they travel and then you're you and as soon as they met up with Liu Kang I'm out of my mind I'm out yeah. of my skull at yeah. that point I'm like you got me like you know do what you do yeah. what you want with me because I'm in <laughs> so seriously I like gave up like I think I was like really tired Friday and like it was late. But I was having, I was like, no, I don't want to fall asleep during this. So, so I actually turned it off, went to sleep, woke up, and instantly put it back on. That's, I was like so into it. I was like, I don't want to miss a thing. And I don't want to miss a thing um, <laughs> <laughs> with this movie. So, but for me, Chris, so was there a controversy? Correct me if I'm wrong. Was there a controversy with Kano? Um, did yeah. they have to refilm things or something? Oh, I don't. That's a good question. I don't know. I know I that there are some people that didn't like the look of the character, but. Oh, no, no. I think yeah. they had to film. So Kano, I was in with Kano mm -hmm. because kind of like when I was in with Flash in the um, Justice League movie, mm -hmm. like without his like levity, the movie would take itself way too serious. And Kano, Kano swearing was just perfect. <laughs> Kano swearing just really like when he's like, He's this dirty, sexist, racist character. You know what I mean? Not everyone in this movie needs to be a good guy. And right. I think, you know, it's like when you watch the Warriors, right? And there's some language in the Warriors that hasn't aged well. I get it. <laughs> but it's a street gang. It's kind of like watching Sons of Anarchy. It's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this main character killed someone. It's like, yeah, it's a biker gang, guys. <laughs> They're not the best <laughs> dudes that, you know, you're rooting for them, but we're kind of assholes for rooting for them. It's kind of right. like Kano. Kano's a douche, and the guy, I don't know who he is, but the guy played him, like, perfectly, mm -hmm. and, you know, he got his just desserts at the end, and it's fine, but I think the the character of Kano really flipped the movie up, and I was like, okay, I, that for me was where, and I think, so Chris, I think there was a controversy when they were filming this, I think some of his remarks were a little too anti-Asian. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. He said something like, oh, are you going to uh, give me a, a pair of chopsticks or something? Right, <laughs> yeah. right. But the guy's supposed to be a prick. It's supposed like, to be a dick. yeah, yeah, he's supposed to be a racist. He's supposed to be a sexist. You know, he's like, oh, tell 
I'll show you how it is, Sheila, or whatever. What you're saying to Sonia, or whatever the hell he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, but you know what? He gets his ass kicked through the whole thing, which makes it okay. It, it right. tells you, all right, this guy's a douche. We're going to give him whatever. So, um, Chris, why did this movie work? Why, why do you think this movie worked in, like, a movie that's supposed to be fun and filled with characters that we know, like, uh, Justice League didn't work? What? Why does this give the thumbs up from you? You know, I that's a good question. I think yeah. it comes from just looking at kind of staying true to what the story is. Mm. Maybe, you know, not not listening to all the noise from fans wanting this, this, and this, and just saying, look, we're going to do our best to tell the best story. We're not going to try to overthink it and think about, oh my gosh, are the fans going to really like this? Are they going to, you know, it's just like, what what do we want to see in a Mortal Kombat movie? And, and you can you can just you can liken it to this past season, The Mandalorian, which was right. just fan satisfaction after fan satisfaction. It, it, there's it's not rocket science, right? Just stay true to the story, and you'll be fine. And put you know, and if if there's if there's gaps in the plot, if there's gaps in the acting quality, then Here. who Here. cares? Have a guy punches take someone's heart out of their chest, and we're right. fine. Like, uh, so we're awesome. fine like as you know like when kung lao you know oh. kills that that woman on who with the oh. wings and, oh. and says flawless victory i lost my mind <laughs> i lost it i fucking that was my favorite that was my favorite death in the movie there's a couple favorite deaths that one was so epic dude kung lao i love kung lao so like, much there's just, no there's no but reason. i love but i love cabal dude i love cabal oh, Cabal's great cabal i great. love cabal. mk3 great game i played a of all the Mortal Kombat's, that's the one I played the most. Cabal is a great one. Cabal is like, I can't believe how much screen time Cabal is getting right now. It's phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. I was like, I was rooting for like, but like other people. So Chris, who was your favorite character play? And did you root for the amount of screen time they got? You know what? I honestly, I was, I was digging, uh, uh, Kun Lao. Uh, oh, first of all, yeah. First of all, because his entrance was the most badass thing I've ever oh, seen. Like, his, the teleporting in his hat. I was like, I'm done. Um, and obviously, sadly, that, you know, he's not going to be in anywhere. Oh, well, we don't know yet, but uh, he's, it doesn't look like he's going to be in the sequel. But um, I was loving everything that he was doing. And uh, it, it just, it just again, like over and over again, you're just giving fans what they want. I love the, f and again, when you do it the right way, I'm going to overlook stuff that, you know, normally people would be like, well, I don't get that. Like, for instance, where, um, you know, Scorpion doesn't speak a lick of English in the entire movie, but somehow it says, get over here. Like, fine. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't even think of that. But <laughs> like he does, he, He's speaking Japanese the entire movie, like, except for I like get it, you over know, here. like most people in the world, in the Earth, right? I mean, he was from the Earth world, the Earth realm for a while. But, right. you know, you want to find out certain things in other people's languages, like, all right, where's the bathroom? Yep, yep. <laughs> um, can you show me where the embassy is? I don't know. Something like that airport. Where's my, can I get a taxi? Uh, dos cervezas, whatever it is, but he learned get over there first before all those things. Yep. Yep. So I'm not going to question it. I'm not no, going to question, question it. And you know, Chris, and... listen, listen, I've, I've drank a couple of haterades sometimes and I'll tear apart movies on this pod. I'm just like, screw this movie. This didn't make any sense. You know, right. blah, blah, blah. But this movie, it was turn off your brain and have a blast, dude. That's yep. what you need to do. That's what you need to do with this movie. And you know what, Chris? How, let's talk about, all right, 
the kung fu scenes were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The action scenes were directed and edited very well. Yep. Like you could see the action almost like a Jackie Chan movie. It didn't cut too much. It wasn't like a darkened, you know, uh, uh, Mission Impossible movie where they're cutting and you just see hands hit a guy's neck and then they cut to the guy on the ground. None of that. You actually saw real martial arts. But then also, let's talk about Gordo. Prince G- Prince Gordo. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about him. Because the CGI in this movie hel- holds up like a motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Because if if the CGI was bad, you'd laugh this thing out. That would be terrible. Mm-hmm. But I thought the CGI, Chris, was phenomenal in this it's movie. It's great. It's great. And uh, it actually makes me appreciate the fact that they didn't do... Um, like over the top gore with the first movie because then mm-hmm. it would have been like, you know, how can you raise the bar? They've set a new bar, and mm-hmm. it, it wasn't. It was. It was like just the right amount of gore for me to be like, yes, without being gratuitous or like they they hit the nail on the head, so to speak. And um, yeah, and and that's the thing. Like it almost this movie was so good in terms of fan satisfaction. I actually got sad when like villains that were like well known like Melina and yeah. um Goro yeah. are die are dead. And I'm like, yeah, oh like, man, no. like, <laughs> like they're supposed to they're like these are big characters. So it's like, oh man, like that's how good this movie is. And yeah. the fact that like they leave it on kind of a cliffhanger of him going to Los Angeles to oh. go get up Johnny Cage. Oh. I'm like, hell yes. Oh, hell yes. I, I thought that there was gonna be like a fourth and fifth act to this movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, let's let's go. Like <laughs> Like, I didn't think the movie was going to end. That's a sign of a good movie. I was like, okay, I'm in for another hour. Like, is this, oh, is this movie three hours long? Is this like a once upon a time in Hollywood? Let's just do it. Right. <laughs> and the thing ended, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I was ready for, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme to be out there as Johnny Cage. But right. an aging right. Johnny Cage. I'm, I've given up. I've given up fighting. <laughs> He's as- <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. I'm I'm ready for like twenty of these things. Like, mm-hmm. make them just like the John Wick movies. Make them as long yep. as you want. I don't care. I'm in. Yeah, like, like, but like they need to stick to the Fast and the Furious. Yes. Like, imagine yeah. they. But here's what they did with the Fast and the Furious. That's correct. When Fast and the Furious One comes out, yes, Vin Diesel is someone, right? You know, J- Jordana Brewster and like Paul Walker and all these people. They're nobodies. Mm-hmm. Right, we don't know these people from like a hole in the wall, and they became famous. And what they did correct is hold on to that original cast. Or Michelle, is it Michelle Rodriguez, right? Yep, Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah. Yep. Um, but they held on to that original cast, and then they introduced people that elevated the movie. Right, like mm-hmm. The Rock, John Cena, Tyrese, all these things. It's like, okay, like they need to hold on to this original cast, which I think they can do. I mean, these people. Are, I mean, what are they doing? They need to pay them whatever they want, bring them all back for yeah. MK2. Mm-hmm. And this is what they got to do for MK2, Chris. You know what I'm going to say? What? They got to find the toasty guy. <laughs> so you're going to like this, man. <laughs> I kid you not. What? No. There is, there is, there is a rumor. I, and I, I have to, I have yeah. to research this. No. That apparently there is a deleted scene. No. In Mortal Kombat, where I don't know which character says it, but someone says Toasty. And, and was it when he does the uppercut, when the main character does the uppercut on maybe. Gordo, <laughs> maybe somebody says Toasty, um, and they cut it because it, oh, that would just be too. Does he say it like that? <laughs> you can't say it like Toasty. You can't. 
Why would anyone ever say that in real life? That's ridiculous. I mean, why would everyone ever say flawless victory in real life? <laughs> the way he says it is so good. Um, like the first time I murder someone, I'm not going to say flawless victory. <laughs> I'm going to figure out how to hide this body, what arms I got to cut off, whatever it is. I'm not going to be like flawless victory. It's like, all right, Ben, grab the legs. We got to get out of here. Oh, here it is. Okay, so here's what happened. What? Um, so I love they're how filming it. This. I'm actually, <laughs> I actually Howard went, I Stern actually, News. <laughs> Howard Stern News. Um, so uh, there, there was a sequence where one sequence that came – very close, but got the chopping block was a tribute to the, the dopest joke, Toasty. Um, the, I guess it's the screenwriter said that he worked really hard uh, to get to get Toasty in there. And Luke Kang, really Luke Kang was supposed to say it. Oh, so, so after Luke I think Kang. after he kills, oh, after I think right. he kills when he kills Cabal the way he does. Yeah, that would probably make sense for him to say Toasty. Totally, because he toasted him. All right, all right. Literally toasted him. Yeah. But um, they said that they it, it ended up on the cutting room floor. But the, you know they're gonna put that in there at some point. Oh, like, well, it came in MK too, so it'd be perfect. Yep. Yeah. To actually make it. <laughs> oh my god, uh, Chris. All right, so yeah, the CGI was phenomenal, and you know me, I watched the VFX artists react. I think they would be impressed with the CGI. Oh, they're going nuts. I, yeah. Yeah, and I just think they're like so. They always look at like, you know, like their particle accelerators. So like the smoke effects when the bad guys are coming on the screen, um, all the little like kind of pieces of ice from Sub-Zero, all like the lighting matched up. The lighting is key with CGI. You know what I mean? If you're if your CGI is lit differently than your actors, it always looks fakey. It looks like an old green screen that just looks terrible. Right. Um, right. Just the effects were phenomenal. I thought it was just such a great balance of practical effects uh, visual effects and martial arts and you could just tell the people that made this movie know how to make movies and they might not be like the, the steven soderbergh or you know whatever they, they might not be the most like classy filmmakers but they're like they're the working man's filmmakers it's like the guys that make john wick you know what i mean mm-hmm. when i go to a john wick when we go to john wick four next year and maybe road trip to connecticut chris i'll go with you um, that'd be amazing. Uh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I know what I'm signing up for. You know right. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. add, you know, add a character, add a Halle Berry, but she knows what she's in for. She's in for seven weeks of hardcore training for one scene. Mm-hmm. She knows what she's in for. We know what we're in for. You're in good hands because you got stunt performers that know what they're doing. You got Keanu, you got everyone. So I don't know, Chris, a, a fun roller coaster of a movie High recommendation, dude. Yep, yeah, and I'm ready for more. Whenever, whenever yep. they announce it, like greenlit it right, greenlight it right now. I'm all the way in. So, yep. there you go, my friend. There you go. Um, honestly, those are the two topics I had. But what else do you have this week? Uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about. We're gonna do. We're gonna do big three this week because that it. was my number two. For so for the big three, I want to talk about is the end of Captain America and Winter and mm, uh, Winter yes. Soldier, aka Falcon yes. and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. So. Chris, I think we talked a lot about um, episode four, where um, everyone watched the new Cap kill someone in the streets and film it with their phones. Yeah. Um, I I don't know how Marvel does this. I've read a couple articles how the pandemic really 
let them take a break and make some topical storylines in there. And so mm-hmm. I think I was, so we, I, that was my honest reaction after episode four last time about, you know, is, is that a comment on pro- police brutality in America? And I think episode six, five and six totally answered my question. Of course it was. Yeah. Um, because you have the Falcon dilemma, the Falcon's dilemma was so amazing. And I watched, I watched this with my seven-year-old and he has no idea what's going on. It's like in like Looney Tunes when they would put adult jokes in and kids wouldn't get it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He has no idea what's going on. And when the Falcon, he must've thought it was the most boring part of the show, which was the most interesting part of the show. When the Falcon talks about picking up the shield, you hear this language, Chris, picking yep. up the shield as a black man in America is such a hard decision. You're like, he's not taught. That is the slickest writing of all time. Like, and it's definitely the William Goldman, like, um, art of screenplay when it's like less is more, you know what I mean? He could have said like, you know, when the cap gave me the shield and we beat Thanos, it, don't muddy the waters, picking up the shield as a black man in America. It's like, period. It's like, Jesus Christ. He's obviously talking about when there's such injustices against black people in America, picking up the shield, shield meaning officer. I mean, I'm, I'm spelling out the most obvious metaphor of all time, but for them to put this in a kid's, you know, a, a PG-13 rated Disney show, these guys are freaking genius and on a different level than anyone else in Hollywood and the entertainment industry. Chris, do you mm. disagree? Do you disagree? No, not at all. Not at all. You know, and it's it was weird because, like, as I'm watching this, um, you know, I'm saying to myself, like, all right, this is, this is okay. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Then episode four hits, you're like, oh, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, now we're... Now here comes the turn. And again, like, you know, I, I've, you know, I, of course I read comments online and people are like, oh, it's so preachy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, honestly, if you're not going to listen to these types of themes in an MCU property, then you're never going to listen to them. Then, no, then you're the, no. you're the, you're, then the, those are the people that will never listen to anybody. Um, you're the problem. <laughs> you're, exactly. They are the problem. And um, it, I thought it was done it, with just a right, amount of um seriousness and at the same time ne- you know not getting too heavy-handed with no, it I, I and it made so sense either. and it yep. always made sense and um I, I just think it, it again when we talk about you know how these these now these shows are kind of upping the level that these films definitely have to kind of meet now which is like oh shit um you know it's it's awesome to think about where this 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 kind of series is going because you know we haven't really gotten the any clues yet. It's not like there's an infinity gauntlet to build. It's not like no. there's a Thanos out there. It's like, where are these movies going? Um, no one really knows. And I think that's the exciting part about it because, you know, not it's, we're not going anywhere. We're going to watch it all. You know, Loki, Loki's coming out in a month and a half. Which is going to turn the multiverse on its head. Ridiculous. Its head. Um, because remember, remember what he grabbed in yep. the Thanos movie? He yep. grabbed the Tesseract before he died. So <laughs> that guy's flying around the multiverse. Somewhere. I mean, that, that trailer looks... I, I don't know if you saw the trailer yet oh, for Loki. It's unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. I'm like, stop it. Just stop it. Um, <laughs> you guys are just... And then... So They're ben, on a I don't different know. level. They're on a different level. A different like, level. You know, we, we had a whole podcast. We had a whole, like, two weeks about the Zack Snyder cut, mm-hmm. which just seems archaic at this point compared to these guys. Just bringing the heat. They're bringing, like, the... 
Aroldis Chapman, 105. They're just bringing the heat. Yep. And and the rest of the world can just, you know what I mean? Like, we can have important dramatic movies, but they can have holes in the plot like, you know, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah or whatever. But these guys, not only is it entertaining, not only is it great acting, great, phenomenal acting, it, the writing is so slick. Here's the, you know, here's here's what I want to say, Chris. You ready? You know, you know how you're saying like people online, and I've seen these comments too. Oh, it's so preachy. You know, get your politics out of my face, out of my Marvel stuff. You know why? The, you know why people like that are upset, Chris? Why is that? Because their kids that are watching these shows are slowly realizing that their parents are assholes. <laughs> you're not wrong. Hey, Daddy, why is Falcon so conflicted? Why doesn't he just want to be Captain America? You don't watch those Marvel movies. They'll corrupt your mind. Uh, uh, all, right. all right. I really like the Falcon. Didn't you like uh, Didn't you like Iron Man 3? That's a good movie. I like that movie, but I don't like these ones. Right. Hmm. Hmm. My dad might be a douche. <laughs> right. Again, I love, I love these freaking parents that think that, like, they're saving their kid by not letting them watch Marvel movies oh. or or saying that we're not going to go to Disney World anymore because it's too woke. Yeah, oh. you're going to be the one parent oh. that sucks then. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, like all because... these kids' friends are going to be at school yeah. talking about, oh, my yeah. God, you see Falcon? Oh, my God, you see Hawkeye, the new TV series Hawkeye? How great it is? This kid's going to be like, no, because apparently it's all communists. That kid's going to get picked on like no, you, there's no oh. tomorrow. Yeah, you like, better fall in line. You better fall in line because for every – yeah, for every like racist – dad out there there's a kid like me on the bus right. like saying like dude check out this weird owl tape and also did you watch in living color last night because that shit was the shit right <laughs> right homie the clown fire marshal bill that shit was wild no you can't watch that no, no tv on the house after eight you can't watch that damon waynes is corrupting your mind you no. know what? Here's the other thing. Screw these people because th the lessons that are being taught in these movies now are the same lessons that these adults were taught by Sesame Street back in uh -huh. the 70s and mm -hmm. 80s. So nothing's changed, asshole. It's just the fact that you've gotten this warped sense of... of they know. Uh, they know. They know what, they're, they know they what know. they're doing. That's the thing that drives me nuts. It's not like these people don't understand. Chris, they watch Sesame Street in Romper Room just like us. Right. They watched all Muppet Babies, everything that they, we watched. We're the old people now. Right. These people know that they're being dickholes, dude. It's exactly. just, yeah. And then their kid is going to rebel. That the first time, like, you know, someone like me hands them a Rollins Band CD on the back of the bus, <laughs> it's just going to be like, oh, shit, who is Henry Rollins again? What? Yep. Yep. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank and you me. know what? That's coming from people. Chris, you know, I'm just going to speak for you right now. They had some nice parents, right? We got some, we got some great parents, right? But mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine having like racist dickhole, you know, parents that are just up in your grill. And you're like, uh oh, <laughs> like, yep. could you imagine the first time someone hands you like a, a, a Fugazi CD or something like that, or the Ramones? Like, here's the Ramones. Oh, what are they about? Oh, they're fucking awesome. And then like, you go back home and your dad's like, you, you know, breaking your Ramones stuff and you're oh. It, it's the same thing. You know what? We canceled Disney Plus. Dad, I was gonna watch the season finale. Falcon was no, no, it's not allowed in my house anymore. Oh. Forget these people. Forget yeah. them. Yeah, buckle up for the next two years, Dad. When your kid just like deuces, that shit is for reals, dude. Like it's just, you know what, Chris? And these guys are smart, so it's just like, 
Marvel's on point. That show was on point. And like you said, Chris, first couple episodes, I was like, all right, here's some bad guys. Bad guys pretty cool. I was like, okay, this is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. And then episode four on, the show just turned into something. And I've been reading articles. There's a great article about um, the Falcon becoming Captain America. Captain America 4 is already in pre-production. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same writer for this show is already writing it. Kevin Feige, just once again, dude. Yeah. Just what he can do no wrong in my book. And you, but like we've always said, you need a mastermind overseeing the thing. So there you yep. go, Chris. That was my third topic I want to talk to you today. Love it, man. Love it. Yeah. So, well, let's go YouTube, my friend. What are you, what are yeah, you watching baby. this week? Oh, shit. Let's go. Here we go. YouTube. La, la, la. Here we go. A lot of, uh, a lot of music. A nice. lot of music. So, uh, Chris, one of my favorite things now that the COVID is going away, I've had a couple people over. Nice. I know it's probably a dirty secret. I'm not hiding in my basement anymore. We've had a couple people over. Most of the time, it's out back. We got a lot of cigarette smokers in our crew. Whatevs. Not going to mm-hmm. judge. But then when they, they're they done smoking their, their cancer sticks, they come down to the man cave. And uh, Chris, you got, the, you got the Chromecast in your house? Oh, yeah. Yep. Love this thing. And when people come over, if they get onto your Wi-Fi, they can cast up. We can all hop on the same YouTube account and then take turns on it. Ever tell you about mm, this? No. It's so awesome. So you just you do the little cast button, you know, the little TV thing up in the YouTube app, mm-hmm. and everyone that's standing in the in the in the basement, it's almost like a jukebox, and we just take turns. So like doing this, we go on themes it's like best live music. Let's just play best live music, best live performances, you know. And I love you know live at Daryl's house and all those things. But um, let me tell you about a couple hits. So this is from my crew up north right here. Um, Liz, uh, there's this band. Chris, you got to look up this video. And this is almost, this, you're going to love this as a theater major. It's called, the band is called Yes Darling. Hmm. And um, the song is called I'm Every Better Man. And it's almost like okay. a speaking song. It's really amazing. Check that out. And it's, it's hard. Now, Chris, I, there's a certain kind of music that's out now. And I don't, I can't think of like who like the most, the most famous like band would be from this genre, but it's almost like, I want to call it Americana where maybe there's like a, a acoustic guitar, maybe a fiddle or something like that, but it's not rednecky. It's almost like bluegrassy. Mm-hmm. It's very folksy. And that's like the kind of like band that this is. It's really great. So that one's a really good one. And then let me give you another one. Um, and then, uh, sorry, there was one more. Oh, uh, Hobo Johnson and the Lovemakers, the 2018 Tiny Desk concert, phenomenal. And these nice. guys, it, it's almost like rapping and talking, but there's a little kind of twang to it. It's just America. Like mm. in this one, it's just kind of like a, a it's a melting pot, like America. You, you get like kind of like this bluegrass instrumentalization thing, and you also get this kind of rapping monologue stuff high recommendation so get youtube and with your friends you'll get introduced to a world of music that's my youtube this week love it love it uh i got two things so the first yeah. is um i don't know what it is but lately i i'm just out of probably just sheer boredom uh being stuck at home uh i'm yeah. watching a lot of these like real estate tours on youtube mm-hmm. of like ridiculously expensive apartments and homes and stuff like that 
And there's a guy by the name of Mike Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R. Um, and he does like really expensive looks at um, New York City apartments. But what's interesting about his channel is he'll do like the oh. extremes. So he'll go like like a $26 million apartment in a high rise of New York. But then he'll also take a tour of like a $900 like closet you can live in. In New oh, York I City. see. I, I'm looking right at, inside the smallest apartment in New York City, 60 yes. foot micro studio. <laughs> 60, it's that one is like square. literally a jail. It's a jail cell. It's a jail cell. And <laughs> um, but it it just is hilarious because it it just it, like New York City real estate is the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen uh, in terms of of what like how much you pay. You know, you could pay on a mortgage on a house, and and what you would get in New York City as an apartment for that is preposterous. And um, I'm subscribing you know, to this guy. This is great. Please, it's great. I mean, like sometimes, like he'll, like I said, he'll do like three million dollar apartments that you're like, holy crap! Like who would ever, who could ever need space like that or, or an apartment like that? Um, and then it's just like he'll he'll go into the normal stuff, and it's great. So again, if you want an an idea of of just the ridiculousness of, of housing costs and, and rent levels in New York city. His is like the most accurate depiction uh, of what it is. Uh, finally, Ben, I do want to pay tribute to someone that we lost uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, and that was shock G of digital underground. And, mm, yes. um, you know, you and I were both, you know, appreciative and love like nineties hip hop culture. Um, love it. Love it. I mean, everybody, Digital Underground was one of those groups that I mean, first of all, it had Tupac Shakur and, and all these other guys, but um, just is really just one guy. He was like the really, Trent Reznor of rap. <laughs> like he I did mean, it all. Yeah, he did it all. And you know, digital. It, it, I guess you could call it like psychedelic rap in a way. It wasn't like your standard, and it just the flow of it was ridiculous. Like the Humpty Dance only works because of Shock J. Like. Anybody else could have wrapped that on that track and it would never have worked the way as well as it does. And the Humpty Dance is one of those songs that it doesn't matter, you know, if it was 1990 or, you know, 2090, it's going to yeah. get the same reaction every single time you play it because it is just an absolute banger. And yes, um, yes. so sad, sad to lose him. Sad to lose DMX in the past couple of weeks. I mean, yeah. that was another one. Just a terrible, terrible uh we gotta get spaced out farther and farther from 2020 we just we yeah. gotta get away from it gotta get away <laughs> gotta get away good lord yeah and um, like you know what's really interesting is like i don't know if you watched the hip-hop evolution I, we've talked about it on here yep, on the netflix yep. mm -hmm. and there's a there's a uh, i think it's second season they talked to uh shock g of the digital underground and just how innovative he was as a dj and just instrumentalist and that's why I say he's like Trent Reznor of like hip hop. I mean, he was just all over the place. And not only that, he formed like he he surrounded himself with the best MCs and DJs and talent and just just amazing. Just like, yeah, it's he's one of those guys that's kind of like behind the scenes. Like, you know him as Humpty, pronounced with mm -hmm. an umpty, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> you he likes his oatmeal lumpy, of course. But um that's not all he is. It really isn't. And when you watch those documentaries about uh, the influence he had and like, I, I, I forget what the story was that he told. Like, 
did he introduce like Biggie to Tupac or something? Like something Some, nuts. Like yeah, something like, nuts. Like, <laughs> like just nutso like stories. And he's just in the mix in the early 90s. And it's crazy. And so, uh, yeah, RIP to both DMX and him. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, well, we're going to stop there. Ben. As always, this was a pleasure, my friend. That was great, dude. Those were big. We had some big stuff. We had to get on the pod. I, my head was going to explode if I didn't. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, folks, you can find this podcast on our podcast on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network, onstageblog.com. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So give us a like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And we will see you right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment.